I, I just pray that this morning we come into a deeper revelation of how much the Father loves us. And how good He is. Because he, uh, he is so worth serving, y'all. Y'all is a Texas word, amen? <laughs> He's worth living for. He's worth dying for. He's worth letting go of whatever you need to let go of in, in the pursuit of Him. He's worth it. And we're all going to see His fiery eyes of love someday. You're going to get to look in them. And I'm telling you, we get one shot in this life to give Him everything. You got one shot to do this. And He's worth doing it for. Like I could feel His heart. He's worth doing it for. And I know sometimes it seems like the cost of following Him is really high, but it's really shallow in light of eternity, my friends. It, it really isn't a cost if you think about it because you get to lay your life down for the one that loves you ferociously. and He paid it so full, so thoroughly for you to have a relationship with Him. The blood of Jesus was not shed to get you into heaven. It was shed to bring you to the Father so that you can have an intimate relationship with Him right now, presently. And if you do that and you do it right, if you do that and you do it right, you get to spend eternity with Him. Amen? But eternity starts now. The judgment seat starts now. We have this idea that one day you're going to stand before Him and give an account. My friends, you're giving a, an account right now. Your life is being played out in eternity already and what you do here counts then, okay? But, but you got to do this from intimacy and knowing how much the Father loves you in the pursuit of relationship with Him. If you don't have relationship, I don't know why you're a Christian. It's, it's really dull and boring. It makes no sense. I mean, if, if you don't have intimacy with the Father, go join some other religion. Amen? It, 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 I'm serious about this because if you don't really know the Father, I don't know what the point is. We, we get really dogmatic on doctrines and theologies and all of that is, is cool and is great. But if you don't have a relationship with the Father, your doctrine means nothing. You might be able to teach someone about Him, but you don't know Him personally. And your life will be weighed in the balance of how much you truly know Him. Amen? And you can. Everybody say, I can. And He's calling us to know Him deeper. And, and you've got to see the picture of how much Jesus loves you right now. With the good, with the bad, and with the ugly. Everything that you carry. All your problems. All your mistakes. All your sin habits that you try to ig ignore and hide from everybody else. He loves you. He can't change his mind about that. Like he, he doesn't waver in how he sees you. He doesn't wake up when you make a bad decision. And, and when you wake up in him and he's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're failing me today. No, his heart towards you is, I love you. You are worth the blood of Jesus. Jesus was sent because God loved the world. Do you understand that, right? He didn't send Jesus because he was angry and he had to appease his wrath. That's a demonic doctrine that we've been taught. Amen? His wrath isn't the reason why the Son was sent. The Son was sent because for God so loved the world, He loved you. He intently was interested in you knowing Him in intimacy. He paid such a high cost for you to know Him as Father. Everybody say Father. Father is the intention of the New Testament. The revelation of Jesus was to bring you to the Father. It wasn't to bring you to the judge. It was to bring you to your heavenly Father who loves you intently and wants you to know Him. He's, he's not judging everything you're doing right now. And, and well, looking at all your mistakes and tallying them up and saying, you're a terrible son, you're a terrible daughter. No, if you're a son, you're a son. Amen? 
There's, there's sons and daughters of God, and then there's the lost and unsaved. If you're a son, you're a son. You're not a bad son. You're a good son because goodness dwells in you. Amen. And this is a reality that heaven wants to bring us into. But you cannot know it unless you know the father. If you don't know the father, you'll have an idea about who God is. And it'll be very judgmental. It'll be very walking on eggshells. It'll be very much filled with you're so afraid because you might go to hell someday. My friends, I'm not afraid of going to hell. I'm, I'm so in love with Jesus. Amen. I'm not thinking about hell. I'm thinking about I'm going to one day see the father and I'm going to look at the, the judgment seat with boldness. Because I'm a son. I'm in the family. He loves me. He's working in me. His salvation is working in me. Have I made a lot of mistakes? Oh, you betcha. So have you. Amen. But his grace, there's a place in his grace where you truly learn who the father is. And that's what draws you to repentance. That's what draws you to change. It's not your ability to change yourself. It's not your ability to feel guilty about all the bad that you've done and just try to make a remorseful life of penance where you try to work your way back to God. He loves you. Amen. And it's his love and goodness that's going to draw you to change. But if you don't see it, you won't have it. And the only way you, you could see it in a measure by listening to me preach, but you're never going to know it unless you know the father for yourself. Everything we do in church, the fivefold ministry is given for the edification of the body of Christ so that you grow up into him. Amen. That you don't grow up into me. You grow up into him. Amen. I'm not trying to reproduce myself in you. I want you to get a hold of the father and grow up into him. And if you do that, Christ is formed in your life and your intimacy. Nobody knows the cost of your relationship with the Lord, but you. And you are the one that knows it thoroughly, how much it costs you, what you have to do, the decisions that you have to make. Do you realize those are priceless things between you and him? And they're cherished. They're, they're not forgotten. They're not overlooked. The Lord's, he's, he's weighing the hearts, but he knows that we're his children and he works in us with grace and mercy. And if you can ever get a glimpse of how much he loves you and how much your, your life is truly worth, my friends, you're going to want to serve him. He's worth it. But if all you can see is that he's mad at you and he demands change. And if you don't change, he's going to send you to hell. You don't know the gospel. Amen. Three people said amen. Amen. Oh, we're so consumed with the God that wants to send everybody to hell. He's just waiting for you to make a mistake so he can kick you out of the family, you know. He's just waiting for you to finally, finally go so far where he can finally bring the hammer down and be like, I'm done with them. I'm, I'm separating myself from them. Do you realize that he decided to love you before you were saved? Like you were filthy when he decided to pursue you. And now that you're clean, how much more does he love you? Like how much more through that blood now that you're a son, he sees you in the family. Trust me, he's walking with you. He hasn't left you. He hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't kicked you to the curb. He's not looking at you like second best or damaged goods or something that's too far gone. He sees you as a son and a daughter. It was worth the blood of Jesus. Your life was. And he's intently interested on you communing with him, even with all your mistakes. And if you can ever grasp the love in that, it's going to draw your heart to a well of change where repentance will be worked out and your life will be transformed. 
And those habits that you thought you could never break start to break because you realize the love of the father is what changes you. But that's a living reality that's inside of you that you have to come to know. You're in him and he's in you. There's a reality there. Everybody say a reality. It's not coming. There's no greater day coming than today for you and the Lord to walk together. The lie that we believe is that one day there's going to be a greater day, a greater outpouring. And listen, the last time I checked, he said, I'll pour my spirit upon all flesh that already came to pass. If we ever understand that the mission of the gospel was not to wait for an outpouring, but it was to realize who we are and then start to walk in our dominion, the church would be in revival. We wait for moves of God. We wait for things to change in the future. I'm telling you, there's not a brighter day coming in your life to change. You're never going to have more of God than you currently have right now. You're just going to come to realize it. Did you hear me? You are not going to get any closer to the father than you already are. He sealed himself in you so thoroughly like you and him are one. Everybody say one. You're one. You were one when you were walking right with him and you were one when you weren't walking right with him. Amen. We have this understanding of backsliding in the church. And my question is, where do you backslide that's apart from him if he's in you and with you? Like we go into our journey of disobedience at times and we're sinning and and we're violating our conscience and we get this idea that there's distance between us. Do you realize the blood of Jesus removed the distance and it removed the distance so you can approach the throne of grace? But that's not up there. That's in here. The throne that exists in your heart, there's grace and mercy there for you and the Father to walk out intimacy. We always look up and we don't realize He's in you. He's with you. He's not up there hanging out so that you'll be like God in heaven. He's your Father. And your Father's walking with you in everything that you do here. See, we have this understanding that, that we got to ascend the heavens somehow. You don't. God's revelation of the New Testament was to come down and dwell in men. And it's not a coming dwelling. It's a dwelling that already exists. So you come into experience with the presence of God more. And we create theologies out of that where we're like, God really moved. Amen. But he's already moving in you. He's there right now. There's there's this work of salvation in you by your father that's working and it's not dependent on a move in the church. It's already working in you. And if you could see that and believe it and start to steward that, my friends, make that your most personal prized possession in your life. The pearl of great price is intimacy with the father. How much you know him is up to you. That's the greatest thing that you can achieve on this side of eternity is knowing him in intimacy. Knowing him in intimacy causes you to obey him, though. You can't have one without the other. Amen. Oh, but we got to steward this. We got to look at it. We got to protect it. The most precious thing you have in your life is your relationship with the father. But it's already in you. All I can do is get you to see it, believe it and walk in it more. But if you never do anything with it, you're never going to change. You will stay the same your whole life, having the exact same power that I have, the exact same access to the same father through the Holy Spirit. And if you never do anything with it, it'll lie dormant your whole life and you'll never know. And you'll walk around like a bastard. Do you guys know what a bastard is? 
It's an illegitimate son that doesn't know who the father is. But you guys aren't bastards. You're not orphans. You're sons. You're daughters. Amen. You're in the family. Let me remind you, you're in the family. You made it. You're a part of God's family. Amen. And he's happy that you are. He's not mad. There's no backwards or wayward children like, well, well, I'm better than you. No, we're sons. We're daughters. He doesn't favor me more than you. He loves you the same way he loves me. Now, I might be developing my intimacy with him beyond where some of you are, but that doesn't mean you can't have that, too. That's up to you to pursue him and you will pursue what you really want. And I'm hoping I can just awaken a revelation in your heart today. How much the father desires you in an intimate relationship. It's available. Everybody say it's available. But see, we get so caught up on condemnation and our bad decisions that somehow we still think there's distance between us and him. And we create religious terms and doctrines in the church. Well, they they they're not in fellowship anymore. How are you not in fellowship with God if he's in you? He's with you. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Are you hearing me? So take the worst situation that you have found yourself in. And he was with you right there in the muck in the mire. And and, and our idea of, of, of repentance is we come back to him up here. But he's been with you the whole time. He's just one breath away of intimacy and fellowship, just communion, conversation. Father, I'm sorry. Oh, but wait, I'm not. uh, You're right here. (laughs) Amen. And you start to draw into that. Lean into it. You don't lean outward. You lean inward. The the great mystery of the, the most deadly religion in our modern churches is that we're all still looking outward. We think that some preachers finally going to have the answer. Some move of God's finally going to give it to us. Some special place that gets the presence of God to inhabit a building. My friends, that's an antichrist doctrine. He came to inhabit the temple and you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. What house are you going to build for me? He said his idea of church was not to inhabit a vacant building where we come and meet with him. His idea was to inhabit your heart so thoroughly that you're filled with the fullness of God. That is the revelation of the New Testament. Now, we corporately get together and we can experience him deeper, but that's supposed to build the revelation that you are the temple. You are the temple. You carry him everywhere that you go. So when you're walking to work, he's in you. He's with you. You actually carry the building of God. And corporately, we're supposed to come together and experience that more and leave more edified. And we show the world that Jesus lives in us. But it's a reality that you have to steward. You have to come to know a lot of us are walking around with it and we don't even know it's there. And our emotions lie to us and tell us he's so distant. And you give in to your feelings and any gospel that that's revolved around feelings is going to end up causing you to be in a hamster wheel where you're just running in circles your whole life. Amen. We think we need help in our emotions. Your emotions will get fixed when you realize the father's in you. And you start to fellowship with him. Amen. A prescription drug is not going to help it. Amen. It's going to put a band aid. You could come into an experience with him where you feel him, but it's not about feelings. It's about the reality that he's in you. There's a truth there. Whether you feel it or not, he's with you. 
There's a truth there. Whether you can sense it or not, he's in you. He's with you. There's a truth there. And Jesus said, if you know the what? The truth. It makes you free. But truth is not emotionally based. Truth is the reality of what he purchased by the blood of Jesus to bring you into the Father so that you and him can be one. And in that union, you grow in that fellowship. And then when you have a bad emotional day, guess what? You don't listen to it because you know you're still in the Father and He's in you and you're having a good day. Amen? Your emotions don't dictate it anymore. But we're always searching for feelings, for the next experience, for outward emotion, outward emotion. You'll never find freedom outwardly if you don't tap into what's already working in you inwardly. And when you do, then you start to be clothed with the new man. You're supposed to pull from what's in you and put it on the outside. All of us are looking for garments outwardly and they're unfulfilling us. And so the church is going around in circles and history is repeating itself. And we're not seeing a body of Christ rise up with dominion because we still think it's about a special move someplace. The special move, my friends, already happened. It happened the moment you got born again. The moment you got born again and filled with the precious Holy Spirit, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And his intention is to build that building inside of you. Brick by brick. Amen. One brick at a time. Here a little. There a little. Brick by brick. He's building a building. He's building a structure. He's building a tower inside of you. He's building the temple of the Holy Ghost. Do you know that is why it is so important to pray in other tongues? Because praying in other tongues says if you speak in an unknown tongue, you're edified. If you break down the Greek word edify, it's an edifice. An edifice translates to a building. That's amazing because you are the building that inhabits God. Amen. So to build that building strong so where it contains him your whole life, he's given you a practical thing that you could do to exercise that so that your building grows up very strong and that the foundation is set very secure. And it's called praying in other tongues. He that speaks and is in an unknown tongue, he's edified. What's being edified? The building of the temple within you. And the more that it builds and grows, the more that it's stacked up and structured, the more you can house the fullness of God. Amen? So the more you pray, whether you feel it or not, if it's working, God's building something in you. And it's called you growing up into him, into the fullness of who he is manifested through your mortal flesh. God with us, God in the flesh. We have so much religion in the body that doesn't understand that the word wants to become flesh in you. Yeah, but Jesus was the word. Jesus's intention was to reproduce himself in you. Amen. And so God wants the word to become flesh again and again and again and again and again. So where that living, this thing right here, it's alive and living, but it'll never be alive and living in you until you realize that it's in you and it's working and you start to walk it out. This thing can be something that you read your whole life that you never come into union and intimacy with. And it's just like reading another novel. Uh oh. Oh, yeah, I feel that. I feel that. That's really good. Might as well go read Harry Potter. Amen. If you don't do anything with this, what, what the devils believe, they know. It says they know. They know who God is. They could probably preach this thing to you better than you could preach it to them. 
You don't think they studied the manual? Like, they know what it says. They want to trick you up. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've seen intellectual people study this thing so much so they could disprove it. And they know exactly what it says. That's crazy. Well, the living word inside of you is what this thing is written about. It's about the word becoming flesh. So this, what's written on these pages is supposed to reveal the power that's already in you. Amen. And the more you see it, the more you believe it, the more you walk in it. And all of a sudden you're giving witness of his resurrection. That's the gospel. Jesus is still alive. How? He's in me. Christ in me is the hope of glory for the world to see. Amen. Because the last time I checked, he's not coming back down until he comes back for his spotless bride. Because my friends, it says he's going to come in the clouds and every eye is going to behold him. And there's going to be a day where I'm going to be caught up in the clouds with him. Amen. And I want you to be there too. our great hope in, in what we do for the gospel. It's not blessing. It's not money. It's not bigger houses. It's not having more prosperity. Our hope in the gospel is that you'll be there too. And when we see each other on that day, we're going to give a little gangster head nod and be like, what's up, man? I'm so glad to see you. I'm serious. I'm going to recognize, you know, I, I want you to be there, but you being there is up to you. It's not up to me. But he wants us to be there. He's not looking for ways to kick you out of the family. We have such a view of God that is religious and it's, it's borderline anti-Christ demonic. Because he's so angry with us and he's just waiting to spew out judgment and kill all the sinners. And I'm like, wait a minute, I thought he died for the sinners. <laughs> so is he killing them or is he saving them? Because you've got to make up your mind. It's either one or the other. Amen. Well, you know, the homosexuals, they deserve hell and they're going to hell. Yeah, but Jesus came to save them. He loves them and he can't love them more than he loves you. He loves them and he wants them to change, but he's not looking for ways to put them in a car wreck. So they finally die and get judgment. That's crazy. That's him fighting against himself in the mission. He doesn't know how to do that. So if he doesn't do it with them, why do you think he does it with you? So you have a bad day and you think, oh man, like, you know, everybody had a bad day. and All of a sudden you start getting a cold and you're like, oh man, I guess I'm being judged. You have these stupid thoughts, you know what I'm saying? And then you think the father is just sitting there sending a sickness on you because you had a bad day. That's crazy, my friends. Well, I went broke. And no, you probably went broke because you made bad decisions. Amen. Jesus didn't have anything to do with that. That was your decision to make really unwise decisions. But we pawn it off on him and we're like, I guess he's not good anymore because he's not meeting all my needs. No, he meets all your needs, but he can't do it independent of your actions. So if he's blessing you and you're squandering the blessing, he can't do anything about it. Everybody say amen. amen. But we could change. And you know what's amazing? Even when he blesses you and you squander the blessing, you know what he turns right around and does? Blesses you again. It's like head explosion, man. Like... If it was up to me, I'd be like, no, nah, I'm cutting them off at this point. You know what I'm saying? Like, they need to get on a budget, Lord. <laughs> like, he's not like that. Oh, his mercies are new. Every, every morning his mercies are new. Are you hearing me? His grace, it's powerful and it changes. It sculpts your heart. But here's the thing. If you're really judgmental and mean towards people that are around you, you don't know the grace of God yet. Because you received grace and mercy to give it. So when you're around the most unloving person, that's probably the most unrighteous that treats you the worst, you're supposed to extend the same love that you got from him when you didn't deserve it. 
some good preaching right there. And I wish we'd all grab that and live it. Amen. Yeah, but you don't know what they did. I, uh, yeah. uh, what if we knew what you did? <laughs> Amen. Oh, I don't want that screen showing up here. What I did. I don't want nobody to see that. Amen. He loves us. He forgives us and he moves on. And he treats us as if we never did it. And he doesn't hold it against us. Love keeps no record of wrong. Whoa, that's amazing. So he doesn't bring it up. And like, yeah, but you have a track record of doing this for 10 years. So your character has proved to me that you're a liar. You know, no, he sees you as a son. You're righteous. You're born again and you are holy. Amen. Matter of fact, he'll tell you you're not a liar anymore. You're a new creation. Old things passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Amen. If we see that and believe it, we're going to start to change, my friends, because God loves us. And this is a love letter. This book is a love letter. It's not a rebuke. It's not a it's a love letter of how much he thinks about us, how he truly sees us, how much he wants us to believe what he believes about us. And the moment that you do, your whole life is going to change. So when you have a bad day, you'll realize that your actions don't change your identity. And when you start to believe that your identity is stronger than your actions, your actions start to change. What does that mean? That means you could be in a, 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 a stronghold of pornography for 20 years. Everybody say 20 years. 20 years. And you fought that thing for 20 years. And every day of your life, you have failed to it. You've given into it. And you, you want to change, but you don't know how. But you're born again. And the truth is, if you're born again, the Bible says you already have been made free from pornography. It's alive and breathing inside of you that you're a new creation. Sin has lost dominion over you. The place that held you captive to always be addicted to porn, it was broken. It was severed. It was destroyed. And you were made something different. Amen? But see, we look at our actions and our track record and we say, but this is who I am. And then we let our actions determine our identity and then we put it on like a garment and we wear it. And we go around saying, I'm just a slimy pervert. You know what I mean? And we think it about ourselves and we hide from everybody else. But if you could ever truly see that through the blood of Jesus, you were made clean. That he purchased the prized possession in you that made you holy and righteous. That you're a good tree and good trees produce good fruit. And if you could ever see that while you're still committing the actions, your identity is going to start to speak louder about what you're doing. And if you ever believe it, your actions are going to change. And then you're going to realize I've been free this whole time. I'm not a creepy, perverted person. I'm a son of light and a son of light doesn't walk in darkness. Amen. But we let our emotions and our actions dictate our identity. And that tells me we don't know the father and we don't know who we are. Because if we knew who we were and we knew the father, if you ever had a bad day, you would get up right away and you would thank him that you're still a son. And you would rejoice that you're still born again. And you would say, Father, teach me how to heed to these convictions that you're giving to me through love. You're convicting me through love. You're not condemning me to stay the same. You're showing me that I already changed and I'm born again and I'm a new creation and old things passed away. I'm a son of light. I'm holy and blameless and righteous right now. And you start to believe that and that blood of Jesus is going to bear witness to the gospel that you're a son, you're a daughter. He loves you. You're free. You're born again. He's not holding your past against you. Today is the day of salvation. Today is today. It's the day to walk in change. Amen. 
Now we're getting really good. Amen. I feel this. And if we could believe that and pursue him from that, your days are going to change, my brothers and sisters. And then you wake up not thinking, well, I'm really condemned and I got to pray because I got to change. No, you wake up knowing I'm in the father and I get to fellowship with him. If your prayer life is dictated by you changing, you're going to be a very discouraged Christian. If your prayer life is determined by you changing, you are going to be a very discouraged Christian. God wants to fellowship with you. And the reason he wants to fellowship with you is because you're his son and daughter. Amen. And he sees you how you truly are when you come to fellowship with him. Most of us don't know that or believe it. So we think prayer is about change. Prayer is not about change, though you are going to change. Prayer is about intimacy. Amen. 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 That's like saying, well, I'm going to go spend time with my wife because I really need her to stop acting like this. Well, some of us do that and it's ridiculous. (laughs) Well, you know, I'm going to take my my kids out because, man, they're disobedient and I need them to change. And so the only reason I'm going to spend time with them is because I need their behavior to line up with what I expect. There's no fellowship there. Amen. Oh, we're getting good. Amen. That's really good. Amen. You know why I spend time with my wife? Even when she aggravates the fire out of me with things that I don't like. I spend time with her because I love her. And I'm interested in communion with her. And I don't let her behavior dictate our relationship and vice versa. Thank God, because sometimes I'm a challenging man to be married to. Amen. I'm not just picking on her. I'm talking about myself. And we've learned that if we continually fellowship with each other and grow in our intimacy and do the same thing with the father, we're changing. But it's not because we're fellowshipping with each other to change. It's us just growing in our relationship. Amen. And we need to understand this because you'll get very discouraged, especially if you have issues in your life and they don't, you know, right away, they don't just disappear. And then you're thinking, well, I'm discouraged to even pray because it's not working. No, it is working. It's building intimacy with the father. And when you look at that, you realize I could pray even when I'm making bad decisions. (laughs) Amen. And the hope is that the love and goodness of God is going to lead you to what? Repentance. And then your heart starts to soften and you realize he loves you. And and the only way you could really change is if you realize he loved you first. And he's not asking you to prove how much you love him. He loved you first and you respond to that. So when he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Most of us still read that like it's a it's a, a test. Well, if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. And so we, we, we look at it through the eyes of a dictator that says, if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments and you're probably not going to do it. And you're a failure. But all he is showing us is what a relationship looks like. Do you know, my wife has never once asked me if I've been faithful to her ever. She's not sitting there saying, what are you thinking? Are you are, are you thinking about other women? What's going on in your mind? She's never asked me that. And do you know that I'm faithful to her? Amen. But she's never asked me to be faithful to her. Like she doesn't give me a demand and say, you better be faithful to me. And if you don't, you don't love me. I'm faithful to her because I love her and she trusts that. Amen. So the relationship in the New Testament is defined the same way. If you love God, you're going to keep his commandments. That is the description of what intimacy looks like. 
And it's not him saying, arms crossed, you don't love me today, you didn't keep my commandments. What it's saying is, please come get to know me. Because if you do, love's going to develop in you. And what are you going to do? Keep his commandments. Why? Because you want to. Not because you're afraid of him. Not because you don't want to get kicked out of the family. Not because you know if you don't do it, you're going to get judged. I'm going to lose all my reward. I'm barely making it by the skin of my teeth. All of that is religious language. I'm spitting out. It's so good. Amen. It's religion. It teaches us that relationship is defined by a set of expectations. And if you don't qualify or meet them, you are a disappointment to everyone and everyone else around you. But God loved you before you had changed. Amen. He sent his son before you were saved. Amen. And when you responded to that love, it draws you into the goodness and it starts to transform your heart and mind. But if you could ever learn that he changed you, do you realize the reason why you're holy and clean right now is because he wanted fellowship with you before your actions changed? He wasn't going to wait. He didn't want to wait. Everybody say he didn't want to wait. So he cleans you up from the inside before your mind is renewed to it, because that's what born again is. Born again means you are a new creation. You lost Sin and death lost dominion in your life and it literally was ripped out of you and something new was put into you. Most Christians don't know that when they're born again. Have you been around the block a lot? Yeah, it, most people don't know that. So they usually continue in some type of habits and patterns until they grow into the understanding of that. Amen. But God didn't wait for them to grow into the understanding before he started a fellowship with him. That's why he makes you holy, because he's holy and he didn't want to wait to fellowship with you. So he changes who you are to deposit himself in you so that you could have communion with him while you're growing and developing. That is so good news to all of us. Because then when our minds renew to who we are and we start to believe it, we put off the old man. And we walk in the new man. But we were already in fellowship before we started to do that. So let's just remain in fellowship as we do that. And then our relationship with him is growing and developing. This is really good. I could feel it. Are y'all okay this morning? Amen. I feel like he wants to give us some hope this morning. That he loves you and he wants to spend time with you. And he wants you to spend time with him. But it's your decision. Don't let your past stop you from going to him. Don't let the current struggles that you have over sin stop you from really getting intimate with him because he will my brothers and sisters change your life if you truly give him some time and sometimes time is all you need with him now i'm not justifying sin at all it's absolutely sinful to sin amen <laughs> sin is absolutely not something we're supposed to do as christians and that's the revelation you're not a sinner anymore the only reason that you still sin as a christian is you don't know the truth and the truth is that you're already free and you're not going to get any freer than you already are. Yeah, but I have these perverted tendencies. That's because you don't know your true identity yet. Those perverted tendencies will fall off. Old man, it's just going to lose its grip on you when you realize you're the new man. You're not the old man. You're the new man. Amen. So you shed the, the false lie, the false identity, and you start to believe who you are in Christ. And as that grows and develops, man, you walk around with dominion, putting off the old man, loving people, and life is fun. Amen. And this goes into to outreaching to people. Like outreaching to people is not a, a checklist that you do. It's not something that you should plan for. And I understand we plan events as a church and I'm all for that. But your outreach to people should be your life lived. Amen. 
And if you're living right with the Lord and you have relationship with him, it's as simple as I was on the plane flying up here and I'm talking to everybody about Jesus. Sitting next to a Jehovah Witness and I'm just loving on him, telling him, man, Jesus loves you, bro. And he's like, well, I'm a Jehovah Witness. I don't care. Jesus loves you. Amen. And I start telling him my testimony about how the day I got saved, I was doing cocaine. And you could lose all the Jehovah Witness right here when I say I was addicted to crack, man. I'm sitting there snorting bumps of cocaine. And all of a sudden, the presence of the living God showed up in the room. And it just gives me a big old hug, brothers and sisters, while I'm doing cocaine. Whew! So good. He's not sitting there saying, you vile drug addict, you should go to hell. When are you going to repent? comes down and just starts to hug me and say I love you and I'm sitting there holding the cocaine bag and I start bawling and my life is changing in a moment because the goodness of God is bringing me to repentance amen and I tell him how I had an encounter with the true and living God and I immediately get sober and I kick the addiction flush the cocaine down the toilet and he's sitting there looking at me like you serve a different God than me yes I do his name is Jesus but I didn't have to flip a switch to do that. I wasn't sitting there talking about well, it's time to evangelize. It's time to evangelize. It's time to evangelize. Like, I'm just being me. Amen. And the best thing you could do to reach people around you is you be you in your relationship with him. And you talk to them out of the living testimony that's in you. What has God done for you? Not what I'm saying. What has he done for you? But you'll never know that if you don't have communion with him. So it's really hard to evangelize and be a witness if you don't have communion. It gets religious. It's the Christian thing to do. We're all supposed to tell everyone about Jesus. Yeah, you are, but you're supposed to do it through relationship. And if you do it through relationship, it's really easy. Amen. I was sitting in my backyard a couple weeks ago and I'm just, you know, it's 80 degrees. It's December. I'm going to make you all a little jealous. The sun's popping. The wind's blowing. And I'm just outside soaking in the sun, you know, and, and it's supposed to be winter, right? And it's not because we don't get winter where I'm at. And I'm sitting there and I just, I'm doing my thing. And a homeless guy just walks right up in front of me by our house. And I just like, what's up, buddy? You know, and he's like, hey, you know, and then he walks by and then he stops and he comes back around. And he says, hey, can you give me a ride? Absolutely, I can Amen. You know, you feel that heart? Absolutely. I can. Do you know it was a super inconvenience to our plans, though, because we had stuff we needed to do. But I didn't even think about that because I'm not trying to flip a switch to make myself do something I don't want to do. I said, yes, let's go because Jesus is in me and I'm walking in transformation. So I'm like, jump in the car, buddy. Let's go. And started taking him down the road, you know, and I'm just talking to him and telling him about Jesus and I'm praying with him and just giving my testimony. And I don't know if he's going to change or not. That is not relevant to me. What's relevant to me is that I love on him the way Jesus would, because that's what he did to me. Amen. And I'm just sowing seed and just telling him about the gospel. And he's asking me questions and I pray with him. And then he ends up telling me, you know, that he's, he's going to be outside. And there's actually a cold front that was going to blow through our place where it was going to get 30 degrees. And people down there don't know how to handle 30 degrees. Like, and it only lasts for like a day. It'll go 30 and then you're back up to 80 the next day. It's crazy. And most people, man, they're like, we got to stay inside. We can't go out, you know, and there's not even ice on the roads. It's just like, we can't go out. We're going to die, you know, like y'all would, y'all would think it's hilarious the way we act down there like the whole city shuts down everybody's stocking up on groceries and i'm like guys it's a day like and it's gonna go away tomorrow it's amazing but this guy's homeless and he doesn't have a coat as soon as i dropped him off i heard the lord tell me go back home and get your coat give it to him 
And I only had one really big winter coat because where I'm at, I don't need them anymore. So I either threw them out or donated them or gave them away, you know. Like I, and, and so I go back and get my coat and I'm thinking, man, this is the only coat I got. I'm probably going to need this the next couple of months. You know, I'm going to be traveling, but I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to give it. Got a big stack of clothes, took it over that to him and gave it to him. Didn't think anything of it. And I, I wasn't going to get anything in return. And now we're talking about the love of God. Amen. Amen. But guess what? He's looking at you the same way. He might not get anything in return, but he still loves you. And he's not going to change his mind about you. Amen. And he's asking you to pursue him from that perspective and know that he's so in love with you. Love doesn't seek its own. It's not looking for what it gets back. It's looking out for you. It's not selfish. It's not motive-based. It's not, well, I'll love you if you keep my commandments. If you don't keep my commandments, I don't love you anymore. It's not even in him to think like that. Amen? 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 Well, a couple weeks later, I was hanging around my buddy, and, and I have a buddy that's very wealthy. Like, this dude's a millionaire. He's a cool dude. Loves Jesus. And he just randomly is like, hey, man, like, I just, I want to buy you a few coats. <laughs> like, okay, whatever, you know. This dude starts dropping five, six hundred bucks, taking me shopping, you know what I mean? Buying some really nice coats. And I'm not asking for it. But if you seek first the kingdom, my friends, guess what? All these other things will be added unto you. He knows what you need, but you have to do it without thinking about what you want in return. And we've been so trained that the gospel works. If you give, you get. If you do this, you... Jesus gave, not expecting anything in return. And he was going to do it regardless whether you chose him or not. That's amazing to me. And you respond to that love and it starts to change you. And the, the, the litmus test really of how much it's changed you is how well are you replicating that to other people. Amen. The way you view God is how you treat people. So if you think he's judging everything you do and just sitting there disappointed with you. You're going to be full of gossip, always talking about what other Christians are doing and how they're not measuring up. And do you know that's a, a mirror that's showing everyone around you that's how you view God to you. But if you start to receive grace and mercy where that love changes you and he's so in love with you and he has grace for you even when you make mistakes and it's drawing you to repentance, guess what you're going to do? You're going to give that to the people that don't deserve it. And you're not going to be talking about them like they should already have changed. You're just going to love them. Amen. Amen. Oh, I'm pre this is really good. We have a hard time with this because we know eye for an eye still tooth for a tooth. We know justice. We know if you do good, you're going to get good. If you do bad, you're going to get bad. What about blessing people when they don't deserve it? Because that's the true love of God in action. The servers that aren't doing a good job are the ones you're supposed to tip the most. Amen. Amen. But we sit there and complain about them as Christians. Oh, well, they didn't do a good job. They don't deserve it. Yeah, you didn't deserve to get saved, but you did. It's a working on your heart there. You need to extend that to people that don't deserve it. It's a lip. It's like it's the measuring stick of the gospel. It's love. But love is received. It's not something you fake. You can't fake those things. Your true heart motive is going to come out. And if you're bitter towards people, you're going to be bitter towards people. Yeah. But if you love God and you know he loves you, you're probably going to love people. But you find that in the secret place. You find that in when you're alone with him. I just want to, to, to prophesy over a lot of you in here. Listen to me. The Lord's calling many of you into a wilderness time. And the wilderness time 
It's where you go into the lonely and desolate place. The wilderness defined in the New Testament is called the lonely and desolate place. And it's a place that Jesus was driven by the spirit into. Yeah, you guys know the story. And he was tempted of the devil and he was fasting and praying. And most of us focus on the temptation, the fasting and everything and the spirit driving him. But I really believe the way Jesus saw it was he was going to a place where there was nothing outside of him that was going to stimulate him. And he knew he was going to be with the father because the father was in him. And so in that lonely and desolate place, his intimacy with the one that was in him grew amazingly. Amen. And three or four chapters later, it says that he departed on his own choice back to the wilderness. He wasn't led of the spirit that time. Why did he go? What is the wilderness? Nothing exists there. It's dead. It's dry. There's nothing growing. Nothing can entertain you. Nothing can satisfy you there. There's nothing there that's going to fulfill you. It's you shutting the whole world off that's around you. And you come to know the union of the father for yourself. Amen. And there's a lot of you in here that the Lord's been calling you into that time and you've been running from it. And you've been running from it because you're afraid of God. And the reason you're afraid of God is because you don't know the father yet. And that's what he's trying to reveal to you. It's like a an oxymoron almost. It's like a, a dual thing that's happening. You're afraid to approach him because you think you're going to get judgment and he's just going to rip your life to pieces. And all he's trying to do is to reveal the heart of the father for you. And you're not going to know it. Listen to me very carefully. You're not going to come to know it any other way. So until you say yes to that wilderness time he's leading you into you. You're still going to walk around like an orphan because it's the wilderness time that grows the understanding that he's with you and he's in you and he'll never leave you or never forsake you. And it crushes loneliness, my friends. That's where loneliness is crushed. It drives you into bad relationships, sin habits, stupid things that we watch, all kinds of voids that we tried to fill. And we go outward, we reach out, we try to put them in us. And when we drink from that cup, we realize not only is it empty, but it's full of poison. And it just, it, it messes everything up. But it's when you get alone with him, it's, it's, it's John 4. If you drink of this water, you're never going to thirst again. Because out of your belly, where's that water? Where's that water? Out of your belly. Amen. Most of you don't know it's there. Most of you don't get a cup and dig in and drink. It's not outward. It's in you. He's with you. He's there. It's a revelation that you learn to drink from the well from within. And when you do, that's when you come to know intimacy with him. And it changes your whole life. And it can start off with being driven by the spirit. For a lot of you, you're being driven. The Lord's like, come on, come on. And you're like, oh, I don't want to do this, you know. But if you would change your heart and realize it's a privileged time that you're going to get to spend with the father. Oh, my gosh. Why wouldn't you want to do it? Amen. Everybody should be shouting, amen? Because it's those moments that develop. Like you hear me talking up here and you're like, man, you're so bold. Yay, you're brave. Yay, all those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you realize I would have none of that if I never went into the wilderness? There's nothing special about me that you can't have. Are you listening to me? I made decisions and I'm still making decisions to go to the lonely and desolate place. It's where everything's stripped away. You're not being fed by the things that fed you. You're starting to get fed by him. And the more I do it, the more loneliness is crushed. The more I don't care about all those things that used to drive me. 
And I feel like a lot of you have those strongholds still of those things that are driving you. And you, you think that if you could change your actions, you're finally going to be good with the Father. And all He wants you to do is get alone with Him. Learn who you are. Take His yoke upon you. It's easy. Learn of me. His burden, it's light. It's not heavy. The burden that you're currently wearing is the yoke that's heavy. It's drowning you. And you're trying to trade one off for the other. And you think that going into the wilderness is going to be a heavy burden. It's going to liberate your soul, my friends. And all he's asking is for you to say yes and listen to me. It's going to look different for all of you. There's going to be different levels of commitment that he asks you for. But you need to make sure that you say yes when you know he's leading you there. In a season, doesn't have to be four years, five. I don't know how long it's going to be. It could be a short time, could be a long time. That's up to him. It's not up to me. It's not up to you. It's up to him. Amen. But he wants you to go there with him. And the way you're going to go there is by saying no to other things and getting quiet and starting to pursue him. But pursue him from the understanding that he's your father. He loves you. And he's going to show you so much in that time. Your life, my friends, will change so much if you do this, if you go there. It's so much joy. The joy of your salvation will be restored. A lot of the hopelessness that y'all are feeling inside of y'all's hearts and minds, it's because you don't have intimacy with the Father. And Pastor Roberta is not going to be able to change that for y'all. Y'all are going to have to change that for yourself. Amen. And it gets really wearied on the pastor when y'all come in with your shoulders hung low and you're so depressed and mad at life because your hope's deferred and it's making your heart sick. And she has to get up here and just bring it. Come on, come on, come on. And you leave and nothing changes. And You have to do this for yourself. But if you do, I promise you, it'll be the best decision you ever make and you're going to be so grateful that you made it. Amen? Let's go ahead and stand. Let's all stand. Hallelujah.